So this morning we're going to jump into chapter 4. A lot that we can learn uh, from this passage of scripture. We're only going to get through the first 11 verses. Uh, We'll finish chapter 4 next week so you guys can study ahead, be reading ahead. Uh, Yeah, before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We know that it does not return void. We know that it is living, it is powerful, it's active. We just pray this morning that it would uh, just touch our innermost part of our beings, Father. It go deep and bring forth fruit for your glory, Jesus. Amen? How many of you guys know who Sir Isaac Newton is? Pretty smart dude, right? Well, he was so smart he made some laws. In his third law of motion, he tells us that every action has an equal or an opposite reaction, correct? So, a lot of action happened in Matthew chapter 3 for us, right? The heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as the Son of God's being baptized. Pretty gnarly scene taking place, right? So, we see that taking place, but then there's a reaction to all that we saw last week in chapter 3. Chapter 4 opens up, and hell opens, okay? So it seems like every action of God, there's going to be a reaction from the devil. How many of you guys have found that to be true? I sure have. Fact of life. Listen. Catch this. Nothing promotes the reaction of the devil more than the action of one's proximity to God. Okay? If you're not going through it, if you're not being attacked, don't think you're spiritual. Don't think you're close to God. Okay? Um, and if you take prayer serious, which I would encourage you to do, I loved, I loved hearing what happened yesterday uh, during the women's prayer. Appreciate the prayers. Uh, it's good for us to be praying. I enjoyed prayer before service this morning. I encourage all you guys to come at 845, pray with us. It is good to pray. But if you do uh, have a, a regular prayer life, a consistent prayer life, okay, you're pressing in, you take fasting serious, the devil knows where we get our strength, guys. He knows where we get our strength. So, of course, those areas are going to be attacked. And you will be attacked when you're doing those things. Um, this morning, we're going to look at a theology that's called kenosis. Uh, we're going to look at specifically Jesus's self-humbling, okay? That's what's called kenosis, the emptying, humbling of oneself. I'd like for you guys to flip to Philippians 2 real quick because there's a passage in this chapter uh, that I think we all need to be familiar with and grasp because it's speaking of Jesus and it'll bring a little light to where we're going this morning in Matthew chapter 4. But taking a look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 to 8, it says, who being in the very nature of God, okay, Jesus is God, okay, he did not consider it equality or uh, with God something to be grasped, but made himself. I want you guys to underline made. Okay? Jesus chose. He made himself nothing, or he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And that's the thing that still trips me out. Almighty God creator of the cosmos, of everything, of you and I, 
humbled himself and became like us. I don't get that, but he did. I know it's true. The scriptures speak to it. Jesus is God. He did what Philippians 2 is telling us here. He became like us in being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point or to death, even death on the cross. So really, <laughs> God, you're going to humble yourself, become like us to what? Just to be a sacrifice, to be a servant, to die upon a cross one day? Really? Yeah. This is what he did. And this is what he has set before us this morning in Matthew chapter 4. If you guys turn back there, that would be great. So when Jesus entered our world, he set aside the power and the privileges of his deity. He consciously limited himself to live here as a man. How many of you guys wish that Jesus would have just like used all of his godly powers? You know? Just kind of like, shut your faces. Listen up. Okay? All of you, come. You need to know what's going on. You know? No, he came and he served. He served. Okay? He wouldn't do it like you and I would do it because we're prideful. Anyways, if you're not prideful, I'd love to spend more time with you, and I got a lot of questions. Um, anyways, the miracles Jesus later performs was by the power of the Spirit. Do you guys know that? Yeah, he is God. He could have just made it happen, but he was in a place where he emptied himself, okay? And he was just relying upon this. You see, the, the emptying process that Paul described is one of a progressive uh, humiliation. Uh, he emptied himself, we're told. He was born in man's likeness. He was obedient even when it meant death. He accepted it, even the shameful death of an outcast criminal. So when we read about the temptation of Jesus, we have to read the story against the background of the kenosis. That's what's going to give us insight and understanding. Okay, the theology is there. The teaching is clear. There's a lot of ways you can approach this passage of Scripture set before us this morning. But to do it any justice, to actually receive what I believe God has intended for us from this passage, we have to have this understanding, this theology behind us in moving forward. So when the physical, uh, when, when physically... Uh, speaking of Jesus, Jesus was weakened. Do you understand that? He was a man. And you guys feel weak today? Long weekend, just a little wiped out, a little tired. I mean, we're, yeah, we go through that. We need to rest. <laughs> it's just part of life. Jesus was weakened because what has he been doing? Well, he's been fasting for 40 days. Okay? We, we, we get weak when we don't eat a meal. I mean, he skipped multiple meals by this point. So he's been fasting in a desert, and then he's tempted by Satan. He did not seek strength from his divine nature, okay, um, to resist those temptations. So I want you guys to have that understanding as we begin here this morning. So let's take a look at verses 1 and 2, led by God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. So God is leading him where? To the wilderness. Why would anybody want to go to the wilderness? Well, that's where God's leading. To do what? To be tempted. What? <laughs> the Spirit. Are you guys seeing what it's telling us? Led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Of course he was hungry, right? You know, 
Some of us have a hard time going four minutes without getting hungry again. So he was led by the Spirit. So what comes to your mind when someone's led by the Spirit? Let me hear. What comes to mind when somebody's Spirit-led? What do you think of? What's that? It's good, right? What else? Faith. Man of faith, right? Good fruit. What else? Obedience, right? Happy, joy. Well, did these words come to your mind? Devil, temptation, desert. Probably not, but that's where the Holy Spirit leads Jesus here, right? I'm not making this up. You guys are reading from the same book I am, right? This is what is happening to our Lord and Savior is he's being led by the Spirit of God. So I think sometimes we may be off what it means or what we think it might look like to be Spirit-led. If you're spiritual, oh, you would never be tempted, would you? You wouldn't be in a dry desert place. Oh. All right, I'm going off script for a minute. <laughs> turkey, the devil, right? He's a turkey. We don't like him. He doesn't like us. That's why we don't like him. Anyways, he is evil. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. He rips us off. And he does that through temptations, doesn't he? Okay, a big part of it. Yeah, Satan can mess with us, but he places things in our path. He puts those fiery darts into our mind, those temptations come, and we're the ones that make the choice to give in to those temptations, but he doesn't give up, okay? Isn't he resentless? How many, how many guys continually to be tempted? Any guys tempted free in life? No? Okay. If you do go without temptation, you can hang out with me and my new humble friend. We're going to get coffee and <laughs> talk. You know, but a lot of times when we're going through that and we're being attacked, we'll find ourselves in that dry place. Man, it is dry. It is hard. I'm dying. I'm under the heat. What is going on? And then because we are dry, those temptations then end up getting even worse. Why don't I, the grass is greener over there? Why don't I go back? And then the devil's right there having his way. It's just an ugly cycle of how he works. And he is alive, and he is um, there, and I believe he has tempted us all um, in one way or another. But these are the things uh, that we see Jesus having to face as he's been led by the Spirit of God. So the disciples, they were led by God right into a storm. You guys remember that? They were led by the Spirit of God into a storm. Jesus led, was led right into Gethsemane to face um, abduction. So this word tempted, in Aramaic, it's denethesi. Um, it means to try out. It's kind of like a, uh, men often try out um, you know, their abilities, their strength, their power before they start a hard task, right? There's a little evaluation, okay? It's not like I'm going to jump in and, hey, I'm going to play in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers and I'm going to kick some butt. No, that would be foolish, okay? I would just get hurt. That would be like the most foolish thing ever. You know, there's just things you want to make sure you're able to do it, right? Well, that's what it's talking about here. It's kind of like oxen and horses. Uh, they're tried out before. They're bought and paid for. You want to make sure they're going to work. They're going to do their job. So he's being tempted. He goes to the wilderness, 
a wild, arid region without trees or any inhabitants, so all by himself. So through though the desert, what does it lack? It lacks everything, right? There's no trees, no villages, no attractions, which people like, you know, there's no people there because there's nothing to like. Um, but it has its own natural, majestic beauty. I read this this week by George Lasman. I wanted to share it with you. It says, The beauty of the myriad stars by their seeming closeness to the ground near the horizon fascinates human imagination and reveals an order in the sky unexcelled by anything on earth. Living in these wide open desert spaces, one is impressed by the vastness of the heavens contrasted with the smallness of the earth and life is revealed in its proper proportion to the universe. Away from all the material things of organized civilization, the dweller of the desert feels that God is near. God is everywhere. So maybe the desert did have a purpose in all of this. Maybe the wilderness seasons of life are a good thing for us because God does become that much bigger, that much, you know, more real and near to us. So let's consider this fasting for a moment. Um, fasting is a help in subjecting the body to the soul, okay? The physical to the spiritual. That's what fasting is good for. That's why we've been told. When you fast, we're told. So if you don't fast, you're not doing what the Word of God says. It says when you fast, right? It's something that should be given to the Christian. Fasting is not a sanctified diet. Fasting reduces physical strength but increases spiritual forces and is an aid towards spiritual insight and character. So here we have Jesus, right? He's on a long fast. 40, any of you guys ever fast 40 days? Yeah, I haven't even come close. That's crazy, you know? But Jesus went 40 days. I know some people do intermediate fasts, you know, every once in a while. Um, as a younger man, I used to fast regularly every Monday, you know, for years. It was a very good discipline to help. There's been times and seasons in life where I just feel dry or there's big questions out there. Or I just feel a disconnect. Hey, it's time to fast. It's time to seek the Lord. It's a good discipline and God does really meet, okay, uh, you in those things. So uh, I, I encourage it because the scriptures encourage it and it is good. Um, if you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a 40-day fast, um, tell somebody, talk to me, uh, talk to your doctor. Any, I think any fast probably over four or five days, you should probably talk to your physician. <laughs> Make sure that, you know, physically you're able to do all that stuff. But anyways, it has physical benefits anyways. Why am I talking about fasting so much? Jesus fasted. <laughs> That's why we're talking about it anyways. Um, but you guys know when somebody fasts the 40 days, okay, the first few days um, is really hard when you fast. You're really hungry. It's just like, oh, I haven't had a meal in like an hour. This fast is horrible, you know? But after three or four days, that those hunger pains actually go away, you know? You can find yourself fasting for a week or more, and it's just like, man, I'm not even hungry. What's, what's going on? Drink a lot of water. But it, your body actually goes into that mode until the 40th day, then your hunger actually kicks back in again. You're like, whoa, I haven't had these feelings in a while. And you need to eat 
because your body is saying you're starving to death now. If you don't eat soon, you will die. So that's the point. You guys see where Jesus is at now? This is where his human body is at. This is what he's going through. Which brings us to the first test that we're going to consider this morning. The temptation as a man. Okay, Jesus went through this as a man. He humbled himself. Became in, like us. Our likeness, right? So let's look at verses 3 and 4. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones that these stones become bread. I think it's funny that Satan's telling Jesus what to do. Okay? But doesn't Satan come to us and tell us what to do? He thinks he has that right. He doesn't. We've been set free. Right? We are children of the living God. We are sons and daughters of the King. Who is he to come and mess with us? But he's full of himself. He thinks he has that right. And the sad part is when we actually listen and we allow him to have that right. Look at verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So command these stones to become bread. In Eastern countries, guys, um, their wheat isn't bleached. How many of you ladies have baked some bread lately? You open it up like, oh, this is so white and beautiful. Wheat's not white. <laughs> we bleached it, right? That's why we have our white bread. The color of bread really should be brown. In the eastern countries, when they make their bread, they actually look like stones when they're baked, okay? So that's why we get this picture here, because it resembles stones. So hungry travelers often see these hot stones and they wish they were bread. So the very first words of Jesus in response to Satan's initial temptation here sets the tone, man, did you guys catch what he said? Man shall not live by bread alone. He was addressed as what? The son of God. But he's making it clear, no, I've humbled myself. Okay, I'm in the likeness of man. I've emptied myself. Yeah, I am the son of God, but I am fully man right here. Okay? So Jesus affirmed his initial, you know, uh, intention to live on earth as a human being. Subject, as you and I are, to hungers and drives and needs which thrive within us and seek to pull us into sin, Jesus met every one of Satan's temptations. So rejecting the privilege that he was, that <clears throat> was his by virtue of his deity, Jesus cast his lot fully with you and me. That's what's going on here. And it's because, and I want you to jot this down, it is because of this great act of self-emptying that you and I can find hope. Okay? Isn't Jesus our example? Aren't we learning from his life? If he didn't empty himself and he was just rolling in his full deity all the time, would be of course Jesus did what he did. Of course he didn't give in to Satan's temptations. You know, of course he never got angry and never sinned. No, he humbled himself. He was tempted like you and I, guys. And that gives us hope. That gives us a lot of hope. So Jesus overcame temptation as a human being. Because Jesus met temptation in his human nature, you and I can find victory too. How? Well, I'm glad you all asked. 
uh, by meeting our temptations as he met his. We follow his example. What did he do? Well, I want to talk about the source for a second. Okay, follow me on this, guys. Pay attention here. In each temptation, there's a particular human vulnerability which Satan attacked. Satan's been studying mankind for 6,000 years. He knows where we're vulnerable. Vulnerable. Can't say that word. I can't do it. Sorry, it's just not happening this morning, guys. Anyways, that's one of my vulnerabilities. There we go. Anyways, the challenge to make bread was a temptation, wasn't it? He could. He could have grabbed his deity and said, yeah, I can, I mean, everything else, doing this is nothing, you know? He could have. But he, with that temptation, Jesus, Jesus was hungry. There, that's right where Satan met him in his temptation. He knew what Jesus was going through, where he was vulnerable. So in that, uh, his physical nature and needs were attacked. Now, I want you guys, that's the source. Now let's look at the victory reality of it, the principle of victory that's found in the Old Testament here, okay, to act on. Man shall not live on bread alone, we're told, okay? So that's a teaching that was pulled from the Old Testament. Teaches that we are not to let our physical dominate, right? Isn't that what's being taught? That's the principle for we are spiritual beings, we are attuned to God, and we can choose to live by his word. That is what the victory is speaking, the principle there is speaking to, that hey, don't live on the physical only. It's not about that. There is a spiritual truth, and we are to trust the word of God. Okay. Now, that brings us to the next test, proving God's faithfulness. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle, the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone so Jesus said to him it is written again you shall not tempt the Lord your God so wait do you guys see what's going on here Satan is fighting Jesus with what the Word of God. Are you serious? Yeah. You're reading the same book I am, right? <laughs> this is what is happening right before us. So what, what Jesus is able to parry each thrust of Satan's, you know, really it's just a plastic sword. Because <laughs> you know? he's taking it out of context. Okay, what he is wielding really doesn't do anything. And that's where I feel bad for a lot of the church today. A lot of the stuff we Christians are getting really stoked about man, it doesn't really do much. It's like playing, yeah, it's the word of God, but it's like a little play toy. You know, no, the word of God is, it's a, a double-edged sword. It's meant to cut, to do damage, not to play with, okay? It does things to us. So here we have Satan playing with this little plastic child sword with the steel-bladed sword of the word of God is what's taking place. So it tells us that he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple. This is about 450 feet up the temple mount there on Solomon's porch on the columns. So even holy places are open to temptation. Pinnacle of the temple according to the Jews, they believed was the center of the world, was Jerusalem. 
they believe that. And they get it from Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5, where it says, This is Jerusalem. I have set he or her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. So the navel of the earth, Axis Mundi, okay? They believe it's the center of the world. I don't have time to get into it, and I'm not saying this is a fact, but I think the Garden of Eden was probably where Jerusalem was. There's certain passages in scriptures that kind of seem to indicate that. Okay, why is the world looking at Jerusalem all the time? Why? Okay, well, it is kind of the center of the world. And you see here we have uh, Satan bringing Jesus to this point, showing him the world. Here's the center. I'm taking you. Look at all around. The rabbis would say this, Israel is the center of the world. Jerusalem is the center of the land of Israel. And the temple is the center of the city of Jerusalem. So if you're at the temple, you're at the epicenter of the earth. So Satan takes uh, takes it in there, right? In Malachi 3.1, it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the temple. Okay? It's going to happen. So the rabbis, they were looking for the Messiah to come, that he would show up suddenly. Oh, here he is on the roof for everybody to see him. That's what they teach. That's what they're waiting for. The center geographically and theologically speaking. So we all have times when we feel that we've been deserted by God. I believe each and every one of us have probably gone through those seasons. If you haven't, you can come to my coffee party I'm having. Um, but the things, you know, that go wrong in life, you know, we often like, oh man, things aren't shaking out, they aren't working out, what's going wrong, you know, we begin to doubt his concern for us, okay? That's just in our nature to do. It's like, oh, things aren't shaking out the way I want. God, you must have left. Well, we know that's not true. But as the Old Testament passages quoted by Jesus stress, the issue in temptation was that of putting God to the test to see is the Lord among us, right? Exodus 17, 7. Is the Lord among us? That's the test. Well, we are to be kept in all our ways, but not in our follies. So let's consider the source here, okay? Uh, particular human vulnerability which Satan attacked. The challenge was to doubt God's faithfulness. That is what he was tempting Jesus with, to doubt God, okay? It was di directed against his thoughts here. Now the victory principle in the Old Testament to act on is not to put God to the test. That's what Jesus said. Don't put God to the test. Teaches that we must trust him, trust his faithfulness, trust him not by sight, but by faith. That's how we're to trust him. So I have a really hard time when people I don't believe I'm an atheist now because something shook out in their life. It didn't go the way they wanted. A hardship, so-and-so passed away, you know? Well, this pastor, I went to his church and he committed adultery. Now I don't know if I can believe in God. No, the dude was a sinner, <laughs> just like all of us, you know? Shame on him, but dang, that isn't going to change my faith in God. 
Okay? And that's where we really have to examine ourselves. Do I trust in God? Period. Or is it I trust in God as long as, and you can fill in the blank. No, we are to trust him, period. That's what he's asked us to do. Good stuff. Anyways, um, so you guys get the point there? The victory point there is to trust him in faith. Let's look at the next test that Jesus went through, the next temptation. Uh, Often we like things quick and easy, right? Okay, that's just the way it is. That's why we like fast food so much here in America. You know, hey, I'll give you this little plastic thing I have in my wallet. Great, and you give me my food right now. And if it's not out the window in 30 seconds, we're not doing our job. Anyways, look at verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So all this I will give you, the tempter enticed, if you will bow down and worship me. It's yours. It's yours. Satan's still making that same deal today. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many celebrities, rock stars, have given into that deal. Many of them self-proclaim out of their own mouth. I'm not saying this. Many of them, I am demon-possessed. There is something influencing me that's not of me. I mean, this is coming out of their own mouths. But I wonder how many of them, Satan came with that temptation. Hey, you worship me. You can have it all. So this is what Jesus was brought to, this temptation. So the man born to be a king was shown the kingdoms that would be his and they were offered, uh, they, they could be his now. That was the offer. He had rights to them, okay? But at this point in time, Satan is the god of this age. Satan wasn't making this up. He, will, he has rule of this now. Okay? We know that Jesus will come back one day and set up his kingdom, and he will reign over all at that time. Now, the temptation is you can have it now. Right? Right now. All the suffering would be avoided. All the anguish avoided. All the rejection avoided. All the pain of death avoided in which the weight of the world's sin would bear down on the sinless one no pain quick gain is what he's offering to him and that's what we want right now don't we i don't want to go to a gym and exercise give me a pill i'll lose weight that way (laughs) it's just in our mentality want everything now so the easy it's other it's known as the easy way right you know, we just want the easy way. People don't like to work hard anymore. It's in our nature to be lazy. Whatever's easiest. So, um, complete commitment to the will of God as Jesus' pathway to the throne. So there could be no shortcuts. There could be no other way. You see, <laughs> could you guys imagine if Jesus did fall down at 
Satan's feet here and worship him, where would we be at right now? We would be. There'd be no hope. There'd be no salvation. There'd be nothing for us. So what is the devil whispering to you not to wait for? What is he whispering to you not to wait for? A saved mate? Purchasing that item? I need it now. You see, before Jesus could rule, he had to learn by experience, okay, the fullest meaning of submission to the Father's will. So the crown lay beyond the cross. And in verse 10, it says, he says to Satan, away with you, away with you, Satan. <laughs> you guys ever say that? Yeah. I don't talk to Satan much anymore. I, I don't. One of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life is I was in a dialogue with Satan. Worst experience. It's when 441 had just opened up. Okay? And I'm a young man. I like to drive fast. I was having a bummer day. It was right after Grandpa passed away. Stuff. Some crazy things were going down. My sister was going through some crazy stuff. It just seemed like there was one thing after another just in a few days. It was just very overwhelmed. I was a young man on fire for the Lord and stuff. And the world just came crashing in at once. And literally, I felt like Satan was with me in my car and I was having a conversation with him. And it was one of those things. He was using the word of God. You're saved, Landon. You know, why don't you just run your car into, you know, this bypass. You just take your life right now and you could just go home and be with Jesus and you don't have to deal with any of this anymore. It's the first time I ever had a very real suicide thought run through my head. And who was there? Satan. It was him. He has come to kill, guys. That's what he wants to do. He wants to de destroy us. And he knew what was going on in my life. It was when I finally surrendered. It was that season where I first was falling in love with Jesus in a way I'd never done before. I'd given up everything. Lord, whatever you want, I'm following you. My life is yours completely. I will serve you all the days of my life. And man, my life got crazy in that season. Okay? So we need to be aware. And, you know, Jesus says simply, away with you, Satan. <laughs> We're done. We're not doing this anymore. And then the devil left him and scurried off like a cockroach into some dark corner. I want you guys to catch, and you can jot down Luke 4.13. Okay, in his account, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation and testing, he, def he departed from him until the opportune time. Wouldn't you guys, wouldn't it be great if we just had to say it once to Satan? Be gone, Satan. See ya. Never again. Wouldn't that be great? But no, I feel like there's times where we resist the devil. Stand fast and he will flee. Great. I stood fast, resisted the devil. He fled. Now I can get back to what I'm doing. It's like, dang, he's here again. I turn around for one second and he's back again. So that's exactly how he works. That's what Luke told us until the next opportunity. So the devil watches for that opportune time. He's watching to see if he or she is wearing their wedding ring that morning. He's wa watching to see if there's wandering eyes. He listens for a slight falsehood. Guys, he runs. If he sees any little in, he's going to take it. Now, angels came, okay, probably hovering nearby, 
right? Waiting for battle. Come on, Jesus, just give us the word. You know, we hate this turkey. You know, he took a third of us with us and we want to kick his butt, you know? <laughs> I don't know what they were actually thinking, but we do know they were held back, right? They were held back. Jesus didn't cry, angels, help! Okay, he didn't do it. He could have, but he didn't. His weapon was what? The word of God. The word of God, okay? None of you have, but maybe you who are watching online right now, you send me those messages about angels all the time. Knock it off. <laughs> you know? Stop. There's things, and I'm seeing it in the church. You know, there's this whole angel thing going on. Wishing you well. Praying to your guardian angel that they'll do this for you and that. No. No, 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 no. Encourage me in truth and the word. We need the word. I'm thankful for angels. I know God uses them. I know there's a spiritual realm. Praise God, you know but the Lord is my help. Amen? Amen. So Luke adds, then Jesus returned in power of the Spirit. We saw that in Luke 4.14. So he goes through his 40-day fast, hungry, right? Tempted. Was in the desert with the devil, right? Being tempted in these ways. And we're told he returns with power of the Spirit. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Our memory verse for today comes from Hebrews 4, verse 12. It tells us that the word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it do? Well, it pierces even the division of the soul and the spirit. It's able to divide that in joints and marrow and is the discerners of our thoughts and of our hearts. Okay? The Word of God is able to do that. We know our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. We think, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. My opinion's right. I don't care what my spouse thinks. I don't care what that pastor says. I don't care what the Bible says. God, I'm right and you're wrong. People actually do that. How do I know that? Because there's a whole lot of people that don't go to church. And one thing I do know, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling together. Why? Because it is a good, what we're doing today is a good thing. What is it doing? It's making us have a time out. Hey, we're going to get together, okay? We're going to take some time as a church to look to the Lord, what he says, that we can be equipped to do what we're called to do in this world. God has good things for his children in this life. But if we're not taking him serious, if he doesn't have the right place in our life, if everything's about us, our opinions are going to get messed up. Our thinking is going to get really messed up. That's why we need to renew our minds. And the Word of God is able to do that, guys. That's why we take it so serious here at Freedom Fellowship. We know it's a firm foundation. It's the foundation we need to be able to stand. So expect temptation to come. No one's immune to it. The temptation is to be, uh, you know, sometimes impatient, right? You know, don't wait. Do it now to fear, to have joy robbed, to complain, to flesh out, to minister or not to minister to the unlovely, to show unkindness, to be slothful. And the list goes on and on. It's so easy to give in to those things. So pray that you do not enter in temptation. You guys want to know how to pray? Be praying that. Watch against it. Remember you can handle it, right? The temptations in your life are no different from other experience. 
And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure it. Okay? And don't add to them. I think a lot of people give in and then the temptations just keep coming and they just get worse and worse. You know, God makes a way of escape. Take it when it comes. Now, to wrap up this morning, I want to look at four life lessons that we can take from this. You see, in chapter 3, we had a picture of Jesus submitting, okay, uh, to John's baptism, identifying himself fully with humanity. This morning, we saw the picture of an emptied Jesus, suffering, tested, opening himself to the full force of temptation in his vulnerability as a human being. So the first one is, Jesus truly was determined to be a servant. Okay? That's huge. Servanthood. I'm so stoked that the youth group tonight is going to go help Jake's Diapers, which is right across the river here. You know, great ministry. They're doing stuff all over the world. But it's a great thing that these young kids, hey, we want to serve. You know, it's not all about fun and games all the time. There's things we're called to do. And if we're really following Christ, we're going to follow his example. We will. You see, the incarnation did not mean that Jesus stopped being God, did it? Not at all. But that he had freely set aside his rights as deity and the outward exercise of power and glory was not essential to Jesus' majesty. He chose to empty and humble himself. Jesus displayed God's pathway to dominion, pathway to the kingdom, which we see in verse 17. But how different from our way. Usually we're manipulating people, trying to get our way, always trying to take control, right? Where where, uh, selfishness is perfectly opposite to a servant. I mean, that's... Yeah, our destiny is not to be found in selfishness. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? We want to make everything about ourselves. You know? So many churches are getting together and all it is is a self-help program for the, the day. How can you feel better about yourself? Well, God says die to yourself. Okay? I don't see self help anywhere taught in scripture if I'm wrong please show me you know I I read the scriptures and it tells us to esteem others better than ourselves but we want it to be all about us no follow Jesus' example he humbled himself he became a servant that's what we do that's what we do and some of you guys don't like hearing that some of you know it's true but you're given the temptation of not actually listening to the truth and doing the truth you know, I would love for Freedom Fellowship. I've been praying. I mean, we're a smaller church. But really, guys, it only takes a few to bless many. I mean, that's the reality. If we have a heart here in our fellowship to be servants of the Most High, just to serve the Lord, it's not about us. We're not coming to church because I'm going to get this out of church. I'm here because I love Jesus. Okay? We glorify Him with our lives. We are following His example. As we do that, we're just going to serve And if we have that heart in this church, our little church will continue to bless many. So, and that's for the glory of God. Um, The second thing we'll lay out here, Jesus' full identification with us is in our humanity offers hope. Okay, it offers 
hope. If Jesus had overcome the tempter in his nature as God, we could hardly expect to overcome. So we can dare to trust uh, that our dominion destiny includes power to overcome. So you may this morning feel helpless or trapped or overwhelmed by a life that is out of control. Well, seeing Jesus become vulnerable and victorious can change your outlook. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Okay, so there's a theology of suffering. A lot of us, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in the Lord. Everything should be great all the time. Everything should be good and comfortable. That's bad theology. You're not reading your Bibles. But you go into the Christian bookstore, those are the books you find on the shelves, a bunch of self-help. It's all about you and your happiness and your best life now. Read the Bible, okay? Because what does the Bible teach us? It teaches us to look to Jesus. And when we do that, guys, what do we see? We see Jesus. He was human, right? He became like you and I. And then we realize that, hey, we may be vulnerable, okay? But we have hope. <laughs> we have hope, a real hope. Not a quick, easy fix now. A real hope that's eternal. The next one is Jesus' response to the tempter spotlights resources that you and I can draw on to overcome. So in each case, Jesus went back to what? The Word of God. He kept going back to the Word of God. You guys are blessed to be in a Bible teaching church. It is not enough for you, brother and sister. You need to be studying the Word of God for yourself. Because when Satan comes, are you able to stand firm? Do you know what the Scriptures have to say? Are you able to lean on the Lord in those times? Because God, you've said this, you've promised this in your word. I'm holding you to it, God. I choose to trust. I choose to, choose to do it your way. You've asked me to do this when this happens and this is happening. Now I have to do it. It's one thing just to know it. Great, you know what you should do. No, it's another thing to actually do it, right? Not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. So we have this uh, great resource that God has given to us when these temptations have come on how we should live. And every principle, you know, is found in the Word of God by which uh, he, He's given us to live. And this is very important for you, you and I. It is not simply the Word that is our resource. It is a commitment to live by the Word. Okay? Are we actually going to live it? So it is resting the full weight of our confidence on what God says and choosing in each situation to do that which is in harmony to his revealed will. So the same resource which Jesus used to overcome is our resource too. And we're very blessed to live right now in this. Like we got Bibles, we know his word, we have opportunities. You know, just think about how many Bible studies we have going on during the week in our fellowship. There's something almost every day where you can get together with brothers and sisters and be in prayer with each other for one another where you can be studying the scriptures together. So, we're blessed what scriptures say. And then the last thing, guys, Jesus portrayed uh, is portrayed in Matthew 3 and 4, what we've looked over the last couple weeks, as a person full, in full control and of himself. So in fact, 
we might even view this as the central message of these chapters. Okay? Jesus demonstrated his right to reign over us by proving that he had authority over the worst of man's enemies. Okay? Himself. So certainly Israel had known Herod as a king who had absolute power over others, but powerless to control his own hatred and fears. Since then, we've had our Hitlers, we've had our you know, Saddam Husseins, we've had our um, Kim Jong-Youngs or whatever, nut job. Um, anyways, <laughs> we see it again and again, right? Okay, that enslave others. They're able to do that, but they can't bring freedom within themselves. They can't do that. Yet, it is exactly here that our dominion rule as kings under the king of kings must begin. This is where it starts, guys. We must gain power ourselves, power to humble ourselves. You guys know that humility is something that's learned? Okay? Because let me tell you what, we've learned to be prideful. Prideful. I love my kids. I want to encourage my kids, but at the same time, I feel like I'm hurting my kids sometimes. You know, you're the best ever. You're great. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. Those are good things. But that's what we've grown up on. We live in a society that we're called to be so independent. I can do this myself. It's all about me, what I can accomplish. You know? That's why pride comes natural, guys. That's in our nature. That's why we have to learn humility. So we have that power to humble ourselves. We have power to submit to God. We have power to give up our rights. We have power to obey. Okay, this is our choice. What are we going to do? Jesus demonstrated just this kind of authority. He is a great example for you and I in Matthew chapter 4 here. Jesus alone fully controlled the world within. And you and I can do that same if we follow his example. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that this glimpse into what you went through after fasting 40 days has been given to us, the way you dealt with the devil and the temptations he was throwing your way. I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself uh, that you'd teach us how to stand firm upon your word, that we would be diligent to study it, to get it right, that we can give it right. Lord, not just to Satan when he comes at us, but to this world that desperately needs to hear too. Thank you so much, Father, for your spirit that lives within us. We thank you, Father, that we can humble ourselves, Lord, and receive much grace from you in doing so. Because you're our only hope. You're it, Father. We thank you that you're there for us. We thank you that you make a way of escape when those temptations come. You've been good, Lord. And when we fall down, Lord, let Satan not get the best of us. Let us go right back to what we know is true. Father, I've read that the righteous man gets up seven times, Father. I pray that we would do the same, that we just keep getting back up, Father, when we fall. Keep looking to you, trusting in you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen.